to That's Absurd. Please elaborate. I am Trace. And I'm Julian. On this episode, we're going to talk about more silly questions with well-researched answers, just like we do on every episode. Yeah, you can expect the same high standard of research. I was not up at 7.30 this morning furiously typing into a Google Doc to make sure I understood everything. It's going to be good, though. It wasn't hasty in any way. I mean, to be honest, I've known Julian for 10 years, and this is how he does all of his research. And, you know, sometimes that's amazing. Literally never had a single complaint that I've taken seriously. He usually puts in about 500% more jokes than we would allow him to air. (laughs) The balance of research to jokes is always in need of refinement. I mean, to be honest, the balance of the balance of research to jokes is usually one to one. Yeah, that's that's what they I was going to say that's what they pay me for, but I I haven't gotten paid. (laughs) Um, Any science news that uh, you want to start with? Something that has been, you know, stuck in your craw this week? Uh, You you actually just mentioned a story that you're interested. So why don't you share your uh, science news that's caught your eye? I'm going to start with a question then. Julian, is soy milk milk? Ooh. Is almond milk milk? No. Is any other kind of not mammary milk milk? No. Well, you're wrong according to the Food and Drug Administration because they said it can be milk. (gasps) Even though, quote, an almond doesn't lactate. (laughs) (laughs) According to FDA Commissioner Scott Godlieb, he said, if you look at our standard of identity, there is a reference somewhere in the standard of identity to a lactating animal. And you know, an almond doesn't lactate. I will confess. <laughs> <laughs> I will, it really sounds like he tried. And he's like, I did my best and I couldn't get it. However, so this is all coming from almond milks, soy milks. They're cutting into the dairy kind of farmers or dairy lobby really their yeah. their money They're and because racket. of that yeah the the dairy producers sued the creators of these things and saying you're not giving people milk you're giving people which i would agree essentially a juice right it's yeah. water mixed with the extractions that you get from various nuts and other vegetables uh and i'm i am a oat milk consumer i like oat milk i don't like it for everything but i like it for some things and i see why it would be weird to call it milk because milk comes from mammaries in mammals yeah and you've got to have lactose right Right. like that's not the sugar in almonds or oats right like it is in it that mammals make it's probably what is it like fructose or sucrose or something yeah i'm sure it depends on the product yeah so the fda acknowledged that by its own definition of milk in this debate the Mm -hmm. milk community has been having internally the the essentially milk producers showed up and be like you can't call that milk we make milk not you yeah and the nut people were like cool, man, we'll figure this out in court. And the FDA acknowledged that by its own definition of milk, plant-based milk cannot be called milk. However, because they're not made from the lacteal secretion of cows, uh, but the regulator argued that plant-based milks are just, they're just sold as milk and they're called plant-based milk. They're milk alternatives. And though they use the term milk, they aren't saying that they're from cows or mammals in any way. And in fact, they're pretty clear about where they are coming from using terms like soy. It is in the name. Yeah. Yeah. Almond. They're not like, we're selling you milk. They're like, we're selling almond milk. And because of that distinction, apparently the FDA is like, yeah, sorry, milk people. You're going to have to start calling yourself also milk 
Maybe you should be more clear. They didn't say this. I'm saying maybe you should be more clear. You're selling cow's milk. Well, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if they put like a a regulation saying, okay, you can be in the dairy aisle or whatever, but you've got to put like almond milk substitute or whatever. There's all Mm. these minutiae around food labelings like if you don't have enough like strawberries in your ice cream for example you can't say it's strawberry ice cream you have to say it's strawberry flavored Flavored. Uh, ice cream yeah good point good point I, I don't think this is milk-flavored product, though. Although, you know, then it thinks of, like, Velveeta, which isn't really cheese. It's a cheese product, like a cultured mm. cheese product. Mm. So, yeah, maybe. Right now, according to—this is mostly being pulled from ArsTechnica.com, by the way. Plant-based milk alternatives fall into a distinct food category from milk, it says, which so far lacks its own, quote, standard of identity. Yeah. So the regulations do stipulate that they would be considered a non-standardized food, and so they have to bear a common— or usual name they have to be told to the consumer sold to them as something that be like well what is this like yeah so Velveeta, to use an example that i don't know if this is true but they wouldn't be able to just show up and be like we're orange food you'd have to say like this is like cheese we're, we're like cheese like Velveeta cheese like it's cheesish cheesish praise cheesish yeah, so, I get that makes sense. I, I think definitely more of it is coming from the milk industry seeing a, a threat, much the same way that the meat industry is looking at these plant-based meat-like products, right? Like mm. the Beyond and Impossible meats. And they're making a big stink about the regulations. It's like, oh, you can't be called meat and you can't mm-hmm. be in the meat section because they don't want people doing their grocery runs to see like the alternative and be like, oh, when it's like right next to the meat and like pick that instead yeah there's definitely more of a financial incentive to be pedantic than it is just because like oh they care about the rules so much yeah absolutely i totally agree i think it it would be amazing if there was a grocery store that was just like (laughs) just instead was organized by how you organize food on a plate or like at a restaurant and they're just like primary or like mains and that's Hmm. where all of the like meats and main things are and then there's just like secondaries or you know, whatever. And, like, they have all these, you know, side dishes, and that's mm. where all the vegetables are, maybe. Not all. Some, you know, could be primaries. It'd be funny, because they're essentially saying, you can't be in the meat section, because that's the grocery store. The grocery store calls it meat. And it's like, well, but they don't really mean meat, do right. they? They mean proteins. They mean, like, the primary thing on your plate. Yeah, because when you go to a restaurant and you order a plant-based burger, it's in the burger section, yeah. right? It's always, like, the one vegetarian thing in a sea of meat products that they're like also if you're here and you're a vegetarian like this is where you're gonna look for the garden burger or the plant-based burger this reminds me of you know that um, metaphor right and i think i'll phrase it like this inside every person there are two wolves one wolf that is pedantic and wants everything to be exactly right and another wolf that just goes come on Come on. (laughs) And which wolf wins, right? The one you feed oat milk to. I think they're obligate carnivores. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Julian. My question uh, was asked by well, you. Me, yeah. yeah. It was my question that you, that you had to research. And this actually came up like a last minute thought as I was headed out the door after the last pod we recorded. And I was like, huh, what if people couldn't lie? Like, is there a way to make that possible? And even if it wasn't possible, if that were the case, like, what would the consequences 
be. Mm. Yeah, and I just thought it was fascinating. Like, you know, people lie in all sorts of big and small ways every single day, I think. Yeah. Um, and there's also the definition of a lie. Like, do you consider kind of hiding your true emotions to be a lie? I don't Ooh. know. Stuff like that, right? And so depending on how you slice it, like many of these things I feel like are very important skills that you need just to navigate being around other humans and you lit up as soon as i mentioned this and you were like oh i know something about this that's my next question i want to tackle so yeah. with all that said take it away the question as you wrote it was can we make it impossible to lie and i really love the word impossible like I took that to mean not only can you not lie in a casual situation, but it's impossible. Like you can it there's no lies anywhere in human society. It cannot be done. So in one of uh, many speeches that Dumbledore gave, he wrote, <laughs> the act of lying is not only deceiving others, but we're also deceiving ourselves. Oh, so lying is built in, not just in our society, but in societies across our planet. Uh, insects can lie. Birds lie. Uh, other mammals, primates, they all lie. Are you telling me the birds and the bees do it? I want to tell you a story about a high-ranking official in the precursor to the EU, the Europe Economic Community. Okay. Oh, this sounds good. Yeah, he's going to be a real oh, crazy boy. guy. You're revving me up now. When you think of economics and politics and <laughs> policy you would think whoa so oh, exciting ooh, revs hot, my engine hot for this info right it now revs my two-cylinder engine because it's europe and we have a lot of regulation anyway he negotiated as part of his job but he had this rare form of epilepsy i'm not making this up if he lied ever he would pass out no yeah no yeah he would be talking to somebody and they'd be like, so do you think that we could maybe make this deal? And he's like, nah, I think we need a little. He's like the character from Knives Out, right? Yeah. Who like yeah. every time she lies, she vomits. I think that, you know, maybe she was inspired by this. Oh my God. Very this incredible is insane. policy. Guy. Turns out he had a tumor that was pressing on parts of his, essentially his like fear center in his brain, the amygdala. And it, it also controls your emotions, a variety of other things. So he had the tumor removed because he couldn't lie and he, so if he couldn't lie during a negotiation you can't show up and be like i'm gonna pay you ten dollars and yeah. you're like but i want 12 and you're like well i can't pay you 12 ah. even if he didn't pass out like that doesn't work so oh he couldn't God. do his job i bet he got invited to so many poker nights <laughs> <laughs> they're like invite hans he's Ooh. the best to play Ooh. poker. hans we clean that guy out every single time <laughs> <laughs> So our society is built on lies, and so he couldn't even do his job if he couldn't lie. And it turns out the prefrontal cortex, which is a, the front part of our brain, uh, it, it helps us lie. And it's connected to a lot of other regions and helps regulate our emotions, our working memory, our cognitive functioning, and our thoughts. And in through that, we can learn how lying works, which we're going to come back to in a bit. But I want to ask you, what do you think is harder, lying or honesty? Oh, I feel the urge to lie here and say <laughs> lying, <laughs> but it's so easy to lie and fun. Yeah. No, it's definitely lying harder. Oh, okay. Lying is harder in oh, the brain. Well, maybe for you. Uh, sure. Maybe I'm, I'm real nature. good at it. I'm really practiced. <laughs> So in 2001, there was an fMRI study. Uh, fMRI is when they put you in that big machine that kind of makes a lot of noise and has a big magnet, and they check where blood flow moves through your brain, yeah. right? And so they made people lay in the machine and lie. They laid and lied at the same time. Mm -hmm. It was very complicated. Lay lines. They lay lied. And they uh, literally had asked them yes or no questions about their daily routine. 
and the color of the text on the screen that they were looking at told the patient whether they should lie about it. Hmm. They'd had surveys done with the researchers, so the researchers knew what was the truth or not. But the point is they needed to think about a lie. Okay. So the lies took more time to formulate, yeah. required the prefrontal cortex to do more work than just answering truthfully. Mm. And you'd think that if something is harder, right, we mm -hmm. would want to do it less. Mm. Requires more energy, more resources. So why the heck would we even want to lie? Ooh. What would be the benefit from like an evolutionary perspective? Are you asking me or is this rhetorical? It's rhetorical, but if you have a thought, I'd like I don't to know. Hear. I'm wondering if like the same way that if you like solve a puzzle or like get a question right, if you come up with like a really good lie, I wonder if you get like a dopamine hit and your brain's like, good job, lying's so good at that, buddy. And then you keep doing it, you get carried away, maybe you tell a bit too many lies before you know it, you're a member of Congress. Hey, maybe. And I think that you're probably right that there's definitely a benefit to lying right right lying about your breakfast not a lot of evolutionary pressure there you know mm -hmm. lying about your daily routine but another fmri experiment in 2009 invited people this is how they put it out to the public we need people with paranormal abilities for this study huh that's not what it was actually about. They right. lied. They they lied to the public. To, to the public. To get people to come in. Because they knew. Because they knew. They knew you don't have paranormal abilities. Yeah. I see. And so they're trying to get all the people who are like, yes, I'm a psychic. Right. Because the whole point of the experiment was to guess <laughs> coin tosses. And oh. if you got them right, you got money. Oh. And so you'd think these paranormal people, would they would get it right. At least more than like the approximate 50% of the time that anybody should get. That's right. Math being what it is. So in, in the end, you're totally right. The people who were always honest about their guesses, they got about 50% right. Just yeah. about. But here's the clincher. They had to guess in advance. So they would say, you know, the next 10 coin tosses, how many are going to be heads? How many are going to be tails? Mm -hmm. The number you get right, you get $7 for every correct guess. That's not an insignificant amount of money as it adds up. The thing is, the researchers would ask them if they guessed it right. So they would have them write it all down. And then they would say to the person who's in an fMRI machine, again, they're right. scanning their brain. And they would say, did you get, how many did you get right? Right. And these psychics, quote unquote, would be like all of them. Or I got, yeah, I, got like I, I imagine some of them, right? You must be like, well, I got one or two wrong. You know, the, yeah, yeah. the, the <laughs> flowing energy from the coin was interfered with by a 5G cell tower nearby. Totally. Wi-Fi. Yeah. Annoying. Yeah. Got to turn that off for my psychic abilities to That's function. Right. So they could lie about their guesses. They could make money. And they watched their brains working really hard to do that. And obviously, the researchers knew the correct answers and right. knew when they were lying and I'm, knew what was happening. I'm dying for the reveal of what the researchers told them about <laughs> how right they were. <laughs> so it's funny because the people who are lying would also have to work hard to lie, but then work even harder the more they lied to keep track of their lies and mm. also throw in some truths. Mm. So so that they wouldn't feel like, oh, well, I got seven again. I believe it was also Dumbledore who said, oh, what a tangled web we weave <laughs> when first we practice to deceive. Unquote. Unquote. Alice Dumbledore. Yeah, perfect. Yes. <laughs> so the liars actually, they didn't like tell them, hey, what's up? This is what happened. But some of the liars felt bad and went Ooh. to the researchers afterward and told them that they had lied. No. Yeah. Wait, how much money were these people given? Like a dollar? Seven dollars for every correct guess. That's it? It's, but if you think of 10, I don't know how many coin tosses they had to guess. But if you guessed, you know, 70 right, like that's, a, that's not a small amount of money. And the, uh, I'm just thinking like, yeah, I would. If, I'm not a psychologist, but I'm wondering if like... 
if it's a higher amount of money that they walked away with, if they're more likely to feel bad and go back and be like, uh, actually, I'm a big fraud. There is a big part of actually, it's called, so in psychology, behavioral psychology at least, there's this thing called a token economy. It's something that we learned about in school and it's where you want to, you know, give somebody an M&M if they do well or whatever. You don't want it to be five M&Ms because then it'll incentivize them to lie. Right. One M&M is just enough reward to be like, okay, I'm going to do this straight and it's going to work. Yeah. Um, and so, I think $7 they must have landed on for some reason. Yeah. It's not 10 because 10 is like, oh, that's a lot. Maybe that's going to encourage them to lie. Yeah. Maybe they should have gone the Walmart method where it was actually like $6.83 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, but anyway, so when there's a reward involved, it's not just that you worked hard. The liar got resources that the honest person didn't. Mm. So this was all to get to why lying is evolutionarily beneficial. Right. If I can lie, if that's an option, I might get a resource that the honest person or animal might not get. I, I'm thinking even down to like, you mentioned like insects do it. And now I'm thinking of the the roaches that my wife feeds her bearded dragon. And these roaches, we've noticed they have a very distinct behavior all the time, which is if they're flipped over on their back, they just stop moving. Hmm. You know, they'll be kicking around and stuff trying to escape you. As soon as they're on their back, they just stop. And you think like maybe they would try and roll over and keep running away but no they're playing dead which is lying right they lied to us but something in that roach's wiring over you know evolutionary eons has made it so they've they're more likely to survive if some other animal thinks like oh it's dead gross it's probably gonna make me sick i don't want to eat it and like moves on to something else yeah yeah this is a type of lie called deception very common in the natural world and i actually had a question for you that was going to follow up with that and so there are insects like spiders which isn't an insect but arachnids. yeah so arachnid, yeah. an arachnid that gives off pheromones and it mimics the mating pheromones of moths Ooh. and they do this on purpose so they can catch the moth and eat it is that would you consider that lying yes okay that that's that's great i'm the, not the moth thought it was gonna get some and then it got eaten it got some but that's like, yeah got instead of being like venom i got some it's mm. more like action movie like get some yeah like an eight-legged yeah multi like one machine gun in each leg rambo gets some <laughs> wow why is there not spider rambo spider rambo put a pin in that we'll come back to that yeah. later band name in another band world name where spiders are king <laughs> one man what spider stands on his high legs above all <laughs> spider rambo <laughs> yeah web work. of deception <laughs> web of deception good i like it <laughs> coming this summer um, so <laughs> there are lots of examples of animals lying. And I actually had a little more, I wanted to answer the question as best I could. So I had a little more restrictive idea of what lying was. Mm -hmm. So impossible to lie. I didn't include deception because little deceptions, then insects wouldn't exist and that wouldn't be great. So I wanted to give them the option. But there's a, in the Kalahari Desert, which is Namibia, Botswana, and South Africa, there's a bird called the fork-tailed drongo. Uh, yes, of course. It's a great name. Uh, and it hangs out and it warns other drongos uh, that predators are coming with an alarm call. Oh. So it'll, I don't know what it sounds like. Ah, da, 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 you know, whatever it is. <laughs> uh, now we're going to get bird Twitter mad at us. <laughs> Sorry, bird Twitter. I Sorry, look bird it Twitter. Uh, please send us all the recordings of what this sounds like. And it warns the drongos, but it also ends up warning other animals like meerkats because they hear the drongo and they're like, yo, what's up? There's something coming. I heard mm. it. Let's, you know, get out of here. Mm -hmm. So the meerkats all like, okay. 
the Drongo just did something, we all got to run. Whatever they're doing, they drop and run. Right. That includes when they have something delicious that Drongos also eat. Mm. So it turns out biologists determined 25% of Drongo food intake is from lying because they would do the alarm call when there was no predator because they saw the meerkat had something they wanted. The meerkat would run away. They would eat the food. Just wow. I know. That's like if I had a pizza walking down the street and you ran up to me and you were like, Julian, Julian. There's a murder. Yeah. There's a mur- There's a crazy murderer who's going to get you. Quick, give me the pizza and get out of here. And I was like, thank you, Trace. You're the best friend a guy could have. And, and then, then you run away and, and I eat pizza. And then you just eat the pizza. Yeah. I hope you get eaten by a hawk. Hey, I didn't actually do that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm mad at this fictional version of you that I've imagined now. <laughs> so there's actually a whole corner of study about how animals communicate with each other. Uh, chimpanzees lie, as we know. There was this really cool study, two chimps. One was more dominant, one was more subordinate. They're in this huge indoor-outdoor enclosure, and the subordinate was given the heads up as to where a tasty food item was being hidden in the outdoor enclosure, and the dominant one didn't know what was up. Yeah, that's right. Sowing a little bit of discord. Love it. So then we would release both the chimps, and the sub would be like, I know where that banana is. It was literally banana. I know where that banana is. (laughs) It's such a stereotype. It really was. Um, But... When the chimps would go out into the area, the sub would be like, I'm not even going to walk toward the banana. I'm not going to look at it. I'm not going to do anything because I know where it is. And if I look at it, the dom will know where it is and go for it and doesn't want to give it away. <laughs> so it's like, why is Carl the chimp walking sideways? All of yeah. Sudden? They'd be like, nah, I don't know. Yeah, just gonna, I don't decided know. to walk like this weird crab walk. <laughs> Yeah, the chimp version of that. So even chimps will do this kind of lying in this weird, interesting way to get resources. In a second experiment where they had a banana and a cucumber, cucumber also good, but not as good as a banana for a chimp. They had this thing where one chimp would, they call it recruiting. You look at the other chimp for like five seconds. They're just like, sup, sup. And then they follow each other. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and so, like, why is Carl the chimp staring at me? Right. What is he? What, what is he? He wants me. He, wanna he wants. Wait a oh, minute. he wants me to come with him because oh. he's got some. So then he would. The sub would take the dom to where the cucumber was and be like, check this food out. Look at this food. I found it. I got it for you. I did good, boss. It's so good. It's so good. And then while the dom was all like, there's a cucumber around here. I'm going to find it. The sub would book it over to the banana and eat it real fast. So he creates a diversion? (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's amazing. I know. Oh, what? Awesome. They're just like us. Yes. And humans. Oh, my God. Look over there. Yeah. And then they take. But, oh, it's great. And then you get the best of everything because then boss chimp is like, you did real good, Carl. You're you're my favorite second chimp. And, and you're like, thanks, boss. No. <laughs> What's in your mouth? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> just, just shove a whole banana in your mouth? You nope, didn't even, you didn't even peel it first? Oh, you're fine. So now we've got birds. We got mammals, uh, cuttlefish also lie and have been observed lie. I I know about this, but you tell me anyway, because I love this. So cuttlefish who want to mate, there's a more not great, you know, this is common in the animal kingdom, but also not great. The female cuttlefish would swim away, so he camouflaged. Uh, so cuttlefish have this these really cool cells on their skin where they can change colors and shapes and mm-hmm. do all sorts of amazing things. They can even strobe where it's like constantly moving. Cuttlefish are incredible. So he camouflaged so he looked like the ground. He waited a little bit. Then he grabbed the female oh. fish and like 
had his way with her. Oh no! Uh, without her consent. That's just... not the the example I had seen in a nature documentary. <laughs> That's not way great. more sad. But he lied, so he camouflaged himself, even though he knew that that mate didn't want to mate with him. Right. See, uh, I had yeah. I had seen cuttlefish where there's basically like you know a, a huge imposing male, and his strategy for mating is just like keeping all the other males away by being big and scary. And then uh, he's got like a little female cuttlefish like kind of hanging out underneath him. And another male cuttlefish comes along, but like mimics the the body language of the female. Yep. And so the big male's like, there's another another lady trying to join my little, we'll have a little menage a trois over here. We'll just be a crazy arm and tentacle, like mishmash. Awesome. You know, every male cuttlefish is fantasy. Disgusting. And meanwhile, the smaller male kind of sneaks in and then underneath him. And the I swear it was like a David Attenborough documentary. And David Attenborough is getting all horny for it. He's <laughs> Do like, your best, David Attenborough. The female cuttlefish finds this new interloper brave and decides that she will mate with him as well. That was not a very good David Attenborough. You know what? I'm not going to say anything. It, I wasn't going to say anything. There's, he's so singular as a person, and I can't do it. But Nobody can, really. The, uh, yes, that was another example that I found. Essentially, like, you got a FMM situation going. <laughs> the middle, uh, they actually found one observation where the middle, like, if you think of it in that order, FMM, the middle M uh, signaled, hey, to the left side of yeah. him, where the F was. And then signaled, hey, get out of here to the male side. Yeah. And literally split their body so that they were signaling different things on different sides of their own body at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and I did it as like on the female side, he was like, hey. Some ladies. And on the male side, he was Bugs Bunny in a dress batting his eyes. Like, yeah. I'm not a female, but it, you know that I, what's going on. It, I've Just, seen those. And it's cool. Like right down the middle of their body, they're sending like those opposites. It's incredible. Signals. It's so cool. So that's these are examples of lying and how you can use lying in nature to get resources, to get mates, to do things that you couldn't do without lying. So if we made it impossible to lie, so many things in nature would be broken. Yeah. Like the rules would be so hard to follow yes. if it were impossible. Again, this is like, you know, some impossible switches flipped and lying is now, you know, the movie Liar, Liar, but for every animal and every organism. Right. Um, that so said. Everybody's fifth birthday, their kid's fifth birthday. <laughs> they all wish we couldn't lie. And, yeah. and the world crumbles. So animals typically, they deceive, they lie. The cuttlefish knows it's deceiving its mates and, uh, you know, its rivals. But it's committing a lie of a specific type. It's deception, but it also could be considered a lie of omission, mm. right? It's, Im it's omitting details of its own sexuality, its own interest in mating. Uh, the drongo, you might argue, is committing a lie of commission because it knows what it's doing, but it still does it anyway. And so depending on the blog you might read, there could be between, you know, a handful and 10 different types of lies. Uh, usually these are blogs, so I didn't actually find anything in the scientific research that corroborated, like, ooh, we've categorized and taxonomized every type of lie. Um, it's instead on these, like, what I call, like, three-word websites, like, that's just natural.biz. You know? <laughs> or, like, all about whatever, GMOs or whatever, you know. They're not scholarly. They're just, like, blogs that people have that... Uh, but in a paper from Trinity College in Ireland, they broke it down into three different lies. So there's outright lies, which is just a lie. A blatant, totally false thing. Yeah, I've never done that. Never. 
I've never. That um, was an example. <laughs> there's exaggerations, which are overstatements of the truth. You want an example? Uh, I mean, I lie like that, but practically never. Yeah, that's pretty good. I yeah. was going to say like, yeah, I'm 6'4". Yeah. Yeah. It's like. This is a podcast. I'm, Nobody's going to know. Right. Nobody knows. Yeah. Which, shorty, I'm 6'12". Oh, God. 6'12". Wow. Yeah. You really, um, the units there are really yeah. confusing. Uh, there's also subtle lies, purposeful omissions of details. Hmm. Do you have an example of that? <laughs> it's just, this is getting really difficult for me. It is. This was, <laughs> this the, this was is, the hardest one to come up with. Yeah. I also came up with examples for each of these. So I'm glad that you spontaneously did because this one took me forever to this come is, up with this a good This is a hard example. one. I mean, contextually, it's easy, right? You know, it's like yeah. if, if you don't bring it up, I'm just not going to say it and therefore I'm not going to lie. Right. right. Yeah. It's like I'm telling you a half truth, you know. Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't Give eat me. your French fries, but I did eat your burger. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah. just leave out the latter exactly. part. Exactly. So I gave I have some examples here uh, with one of the most uh, bloviating, pontificating equivocators of our age, Mr. Donald Trump. Uh, so an outright lie would I won twenty sixteen. He did. He did. It. He did not. Uh, Obama left a bare cupboard of ventilators after he left office. But he didn't. That was yeah. that would be an exaggeration. exaggeration. Line. There weren't very many. There's seventeen thousand relative to the whole country, but we didn't know if we would need. For the whole country right uh so definitely not zero and then subtle lie this was the hardest one to think about but it's like my book the art of the deal which he didn't write mm. but he did commission mm. so it's technically his book but he didn't really write it so he talks about it as if it's like his knowledge yeah but it was ghost written and so it gets the subtle lies are the ones that really get you and so within those there are the tactics of lying like a palter using a truthful statement to lead a listener to a false conclusion so mm. for example there's a meme that new york teachers who refused covid vaccination had their info sent to the fbi mm. which is actually true but it's also a lie called a palter because background checks are done on new york teachers mm. so all teacher info is sent to the fbi right. sometimes has nothing to do with whether yeah, they were COVID it's presenting true but unrelated facts and counting on you to make a connection between them correct which probably would be good if we couldn't lie that way if, if we had that like it was impossible to palter you know i would thumbs up that i think paltering might be my now that I know a name for it, the thing that makes me the most insane because it's such a pain to argue against because you have to like rely on that nuance of, yes, what you are saying is technically true. No, it is not accurate. Yes. It's, it's not what you think. It's extremely common today, especially in people who are famous in certain political circles for arguing. We're not going to call out any specific people, but that's, they know who they, they are. They know who they are. And Palterers. they don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> probably not. No, I don't think we're their target. They're our target demo. Also, no, none of these have been released yet. So, so they definitely <laughs> haven't listened. And frankly, how dare they? Lies of omission. That's another type of lie. It's that leave out a detail that makes it a lie. Uh, you know, like, I really like you. I left out don't. See, I don't really like you. Really, oh. And then I really like you. I oh. left out that detail. You really hurt my feelings right there for a minute. <laughs> uh, I like to think of uh, the blank papers in those stacks of folders in the press room. Oh, yeah. When Trump was like, look at my trust. It's so complicated. So and many it was papers. literally just blank paper. He left out the detail that this is not it. There's, no, there's nothing in these. It's yeah. just reams that we got from Office Max. You could also argue that that would be a lie of commission, which we just mentioned, which is like when 
but most people, interestingly, with commission, which is just straight up lying, I know I'm lying and I'm lying to you on purpose. It's not I'm leaving out details. I'm just lying to you. Uh, so this is common when Congress members or other leaders are caught up in scandals. Mm. So a sex scandal. Oh, that wasn't me. I was hacked. It's a hoax. Like, I didn't mean to release. I those... did not have sex with that woman. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Most people actually don't believe those, interestingly. Lies of commission were pretty good at spotting. Paltering and lies of omission are much harder to counter because it takes a lot more mental effort for us to get through them. Yeah. Um, there's also then another lying tactic, the white lie. Very common, little lies, social lies. And humans do this because it helps grease the social wheels. And right. we do it all the time. Do I look fat in this? No, of course, you look amazing. Yeah. Uh, a really good example is something like a friend, a really good friend, gets off stage. They've already done their performance, and they say, how did I do? Oh, yeah. And you you're know, like, you were great up it there. It doesn't matter how they did. Terrible. It, right. If they were bad, you tell them they were good. Yeah. If they were fine, you tell them that they were great. If you, you know, if they were good, you also tell them they were good. Yeah. But yeah. like. It, but then it, you have to go. And, and I'm not just saying that. I'm not just saying that. Like I, like I do to other people when I see their live shows. <laughs> And then hopefully they're not standing next to you. And then, because then you have to turn and be like, no, but you're, you're great too. You're yeah. So good. Again, we're not the only thing in the universe that does this or in our little globe that does Just this. Just want to throw out there too, by the way, you can look fat and good. Yeah. In something. That's totally throw true. Throw that out there. Do I look fat in this? Yeah, girl. Yeah, you and look you look amazing. Good. I'm just going to put that out there in the universe. Hell yeah. Nice. <laughs> so most humans learn to lie around, around age five. Uh, we start to experiment with what we can get away with. We get how the world works a little bit, and so we start to lie. Uh, most humans, just across the board, tell between two and four lies a day. Depends on the study. Not me, though. No, you're lying literally. Like, how many minutes? That's, you know, like, how many minutes we got? Yeah, per day is too short of a, uh, too long of a time That's span. Just, you're really going to throw really off all the numbers. It's not a practical measurement. <laughs> In the Journal of Economic Psychology, they experimented with 400 people under the age of 18, and they found that lies decrease with age. But in another study, Acta Psychologica, uh, they looked at over 1,000 people aged 6 to 77 and found that lies peaked when people were between 18 and 29. That's when we lie the most, and also when our lies are the most successful because we're the mm. best at it. Mm. After that, like when you get into your 30s and 40s, you lie less and less. People over 60 are actually as almost as honest uh, lie number of lies per day as like children because they just don't lie as much hmm. um oh, all this data is self-reported i just want to say that's to me that's fascinating and i'm wondering i'm imagining the reason people are lying in what i would also consider their prime like getting it on years if, if there's a connection there and then also part of me wonders if if we lie less as we age because like the people around us have been lied to so much and mm. they are better at detecting yeah that, like a lie i you know it's just throwing stuff out there because it's just an interesting follow No, to I me. totally agree. I think when, when you're in your prime kind of mating age, you're the cuttlefish. You're out there trying to lie in order to get mates as right. best as you can. You right. need those resources. But but do it consensually. Make yes. sure that... Lie consensually, lie. please. Make yeah. sure you get consent before you... No disguising yourself as a wall and just jumping out. That's, Don't do that. That's a crime. We do not condone that. Not... Zero percent. Negative percent. Yeah. Another national survey focused on people who told the number of lies in a 24-hour period, had them track them. And it turns out, Julian, you're totally right. Almost half of all the lies in the world that are being told are told by only 5% of the people. Oh, yeah? According to, again, self-reported data. 60% of subjects reported telling no lies at all in a 24-hour period. Isn't that crazy? The top 1%? I, I don't believe them. They're telling like 15 <laughs> lies a day? Wow. Yeah. This yeah. is... 
we we need some some redistribution of lies here right this is yeah gotta get that out they're there. hoarding all the lies the top one percent <laughs> 15 <laughs> lies a day i only get one at my job <laughs> some people don't even get to lie for an entire month wow terrible terrible how do they live how do they live so the reason I wanted this question is because if you made it impossible to lie, you would hate it. You'd be so unhappy. Yeah. And we know this because there was a family who raised their kids to be radically honest. Uh, and there's a book about it called To Be Honest. It's by a guy named Michael Levitin. He's a musician in, in New York. Uh, and his dad would go into a store and he would say, you know, to a salesman, and he would say, he would say to his kid, watch this. I'm going to tell him exactly how much I want to spend. And the salesman's going to tell me to spend more money than that. But I'm telling the truth. Remember, he's this dad is like, I'm radically honest. Everything I say is truthful. So as a kid, Michael would look up to his dad and be like, this is a magic trick. Mm. Every time my dad says exactly what he wants to spend, I'm going to spend $10. The salesman would show him something more expensive. But in reality, that's how our society is built. Right. They assume you're lowballing and they're going to highball and you meet somewhere in the middle. That's right. So nobody in their family was allowed to answer the question, how are you, with things like fine or oh. good. You had to answer, how are you? And I think that's a good policy. I agree. I thought that was kind of nice. But it was confusing for him as a kid to talk to adults who didn't lie or didn't know that you weren't lying. So he would fall down on the playground and a teacher would come over and be like, you're so brave. You'll be OK. And he would tell them, I'm not brave. I just got hurt. <laughs> I'm not debilitated. And you know, I'm just that's just life. I didn't do anything special. I, I fell off the monkey. Bars. I fell. I fell. I, I messed up. I shouldn't. My hands were sweaty. I shouldn't have done that. And the teacher would be very confused uh, and yeah. get not know what to do. Uh, and as an adult, imagine, again, 18 to 29, you're in your mating phase. Right. And you tell them what they're, what, you know, in the first 30 minutes at coffee, you're like, well, I only have $43 in the bank, you know? Yeah. Or like, I'm really into something sexually. These are my kinks, you know? <laughs> like, you're just, if it comes up. You're going to be honest and you're not going to hold anything back and you're just going to tell everything. So I have to note, did he actually meet anybody and like have a long-term relationship at this stage in his life? Great question. He did in the book. They were named Eve and they were super into each other because she came from a family where everything was talked indirectly. Mm. Nobody talked about how they were feeling. The example he gave in the book was your mom would say, hey, I thought Sharon wanted to watch that movie. I heard. But really, mom wanted to mom watch wants. the movie. Yeah. And so everything being indirect, she really was drawn to Michael. And uh, the problem is, though, that after a few years, it was exciting at first. Everybody was honest. It was so interesting. But what happens is you end up with these little emotional things that are like little barbs. You end up with all these little problems where you, quote, talking through every feeling you have endlessly exaggerates your feelings. It makes them bigger. You linger on something that might have passed if you just kept quiet about it. Ooh. Instead, we would make everything really big and talk about it for hours or days. And so after a while, they broke up because they're just emotionally couldn't take it anymore because they couldn't huh. lie. He couldn't lie. He he had been raised to not do it. And I say couldn't. He likely could have. But his radical honesty, that was just how he was raised. So today he now lies. He actually does. He learned to politely lie. Good little white lies. Yeah. 
uh, pretending, you know, things don't bother him. You know, you say something and he just says it's fine when it's really not fine. But you're saying that to get, again, grease the wheels of your social life. Right. And he says his life is now measurably better. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. And that's because most of the lies we tell are pro-social. You might lie 15 times a day, but you might be doing it because you're like, hey, man, how are you? You look great. Doesn't matter if he looks great. Is that a lie? Doesn't matter. You do, though. I meant it when I said Thanks, that man. earlier. And you're like, how are you doing? And I was like, you look great. So, I know you, I brought it up unprompted. That's so nice. I don't, I feel fine. I feel like, you know, I, I'm not allowed to say fine. I feel okay. I feel like my head hurts a little bit. I'm a little hot. Need some water, I think. I'm not equipped to deal with this honesty, actually. <laughs> So if it were impossible to lie, if you were flipping that switch, how do you imagine that that would have gone? Are you asking like the mechanism that would make it impossible or just like the consequences? I wondered if you had a mechanism because I thought of a mechanism. I I, I imagine it would have to be like the man you introduced at the beginning of this segment, which would be some sort of brain issue Mm. where given all the extra cognitive effort and stress that you, you have to undergo to lie, something would prevent that in your brain. Yeah. I was thinking you thought maybe as the future technologies start to come about, like Google, if you've used Google for your whole life, say 40 years, you've used Google, 50 years, 60 years, it knows everything about you. Mm. It knows all your friends. It knows all your partners and family members. It probably knows more about you than they do because you've Googled every little medical thing that's happened to you, every feeling you might've had. Maybe you've Googled to see if it was normal. Yeah. Or you've even got technology you're wearing right now, a watch that monitors your heart rate and your breathing and all these little bio indicators. So if that was impossible to lie, it could be that technology gets us there. Um, And it's already started. There was a woman in Pennsylvania who claimed sexual assault had happened to her uh, and the police looked up her Fitbit and at the point in her story where she said she was asleep and at home, the Fitbit said she was up and about and not at home. And so they Uh didn't believe that her sexual assault allegation was true. Uh A man uh, had a refrigerator fall on him at work um and the insurance company looked him up online and found pictures of him drinking and partying so even though he'd been paid for disability they denied him future coverage for more disability and this was just because even though we're lying we lying or not lying you know partying you can be disabled and also you know have alcohol that's not those are not mutually exclusive yeah you can have been assaulted and also be up and around and maybe misremembered your story those are also not mutually exclusive however these technological things might make it impossible for us to lie in the future uh but that of course assumes we have some arbiter of truth right yeah because the more technology we have the more confusing there's no like is blue the best color doesn't have an answer right you know fact checking only works so far Could we make it impossible to lie? Yes, it could be done. However, it would detrimentally damage both our society and animal societies. It might be make the world a better place to live in some ways, but we'd have to, you know, figure out different ways to adapt because otherwise people would have to only ask questions if they really wanted the answers. You know, do I look fat in this? Yeah. You you look great. But you look great. You still look real good. Uh, You know, can you donate to the children today? Yes. Yes, but, but I don't I, want to. But I don't want to. Uh, I don't believe in your cause. You know, like, yeah. it, it would, you know, that this we evolved it for a reason. I think about all the time how it's 
it's always getting harder and harder to get away with murder, right? Mm -hmm. Theoretically. Like, once they invented, um, in the 80s, like, PCR, right? Polymerase chain reaction that could amplify DNA strands. So it became pretty inexpensive and quick to just take a sample of DNA from a crime scene and amplify it until you could actually, like, you know... Sequence it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, See, like, what what was present in the DNA and then match it, possibly, to a suspect. Um, Yeah, that, like... That changed so much. I always think of the John Mulaney joke where in the 50s, you know, what what did they even do, right? When somebody would knock on the detective's door and go, Sir, we found the pool of the killer's blood at the crime scene. And the detective goes, hmm, gross. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. Go mop that up. Back to my hunch, right? Like they have... John Mulaney's the one impression I can do. I'll... I think most people can do. It's, it's you just kind of bend. How dare you, you get sir? Get away from the mic a little, and then you just. Oh my God! I can't believe it. Wow, you just... you're really making me feel not special after being told how, how so many times that I can do a good John Mulaney. You can. Thank you. They're not again not mutually exclusive. Okay. They they weren't lying to you. Okay. So now before we go on to your question, let's take a break and maybe hear a, a little bit from somebody who's not lying to you about how great their thing is if you've turned into this turned into it you've turned into one you've turned into a science comedy podcast oh no oh no i'm a podcast am i gonna be late to work if you're tuned into this science and comedy podcast chances are that you are someone who loves learning and having a blast while doing it if it wasn't clear trace and i are the same way we thrive on learning new things because it not only enriches our lives helps us learn new skills but also makes us really cool at parties is that what we are at parties are we we are right we're cool i mean when you're at my house and i'm at your house definitely but like oh their houses anyway (laughs) this is all to say i am super excited about our new sponsor brilliant yay can i kind of get a little like you know in my feels for a second oh yeah get those feels elaborate please hey i see what you did there i am exactly the kind of person that brilliant was made for i have always been interested in math physics computer science when i had the chance to study these things in college years ago i was also really intimidated by them yeah and i avoided taking these classes and honestly i regret it i'm going back now i'm taking classes at my local community college i'm loving it yeah but with a family and work traditional classes like that i'm finding them really hard to actually fit into my life so i was really excited when you told me that brilliant was going to be a sponsor that's awesome man thanks for sharing that yeah if you don't know what it is by the way out there it's an interactive learning platform with so many lessons on topics that i always wanted to explore and i can do them at my own pace on my schedule and in a way that keeps me in You can learn by doing on their website or with their mobile apps. And there are thousands of different interactive lessons in STEM subjects all across the platform. Their lessons are engaging and interactive. You can brush up on like algebra or advanced math, multivariable calculus, differential equations, computer science, Python programming. You can even learn about cutting edge stuff like large language models, neural networks, the things that are powering AI today. Large language models really be great now. (laughs) Large language models. You can learn large language models. <laughs> it's only Gaelic, though. The large language that you can learn is Gaelic. Yeah, ship that. I'm in. We can finally communicate with the Scots. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, anyway. Wherever you are in your learning journey, there is a brilliant course that will help you get to the next level. Or, you know, just be basic enough to get you an understanding 
that you can go and work with. Yeah, they're always adding new courses too. They just launched a ton of lessons focused on analyzing data. That's cool. That's really cool. I think the world would be a better place if everyone had to take a stats class. Oh, totally. And if you haven't taken one, here's your chance. You could just go take a statistics class and make Julian so, so happy. I would appreciate that. Try it out. You can try Brilliant for free for 30 days. Just visit brilliant.org slash absurd or click the link in the show notes. Once again, that's brilliant.org slash absurd. When you sign up, you'll get 20% off the annual premium subscription and it supports the show, even just trying it out. So go ahead check it out, maybe get sucked into a few lessons. Trace and I are going to be here with the rest of the episode when you get back, if you get back. Oh, I hope you get back. They come back and they know more than us about everything. (laughs) They're just like, these guys are idiots. (laughs) Their brains are the size, this huge brain coming out of their cranium. I've absorbed all knowledge. Why do I listen to this podcast of dummies? I have no time for your absurd antics. But I would definitely take one on large language models. <laughs> a cool. Scottish AI robot that nobody can understand. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> turn on the lights. Sorry. <laughs> I'm the burglar alarm. <laughs> it supports the show. It'll be great. <laughs> and we're back. Thanks for listening to That's Absurd. Please elaborate the podcast where we answer silly questions with well-researched, in quotes, answers. Yes, researched answers. <laughs> Julian, your question. Where did this question come from? This question, apparently, according to our show's uh, spreadsheet where we keep track of questions, was submitted by ChatGPT. That's right. I went to an AI and I looked for ridiculous and silly questions just to see what it might come up with, mainly because this is only the third or fourth episode. And we really want you, the audience, to submit silly questions to us. Yes. And tell us where you got them and why you thought of them. And I, I picked it because I think it's a fairly common silly question and maybe a lot of people already know the answer but i just love it and i also want to help the robot learn if Mm. it's got this question let me shepherd you so when the robot takes over it remembers me you're on its side yeah yeah it's the nice guy we'll tell it we'll tell it how you felt later the question is can fish drown great question i think it's i think everybody's wondered it at some point right yeah, what, what is drowning? That's okay. Webster's defines to suffocate by submersion, especially in water. Oxford's dictionary defines it as die through submersion uh, in an inhalation of <gasps> water. So the answer then is yes and no, respectively, depending on which dictionary you use to look up drowning. So I could drown but not drown you you could it depending well, fish, on fish can drown but if like as they're dying if they're like oh what how do i describe this experience and they pull up webster's dictionary they would be like i'm oh. drowning and if uh. they pulled up oxford's they would be like ah it's not that and then they'd run out of time to find the right because word, they would die assumably yeah i mean that would be a great loss for humanity and just plant <laughs> if a, a reading fish that could not only hold a dictionary but Read the words within. Can all fish read? If not, what are they in school for? Oh, God. Yeah, you walked right into that one. (laughs) That was easy. Oh, Chewie. I thought you were going to see it coming a mile away. I did not. I thought thought that was so easy. That was awful. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's take the, the Webster's defines definition and say, yes, in fact, fish 
can drown. And I'm still gonna say that they can drown because, okay, it's it's dying by suffocating in a fluid. They say, like, especially in water. But if you take a fish and threw it in, like, a big vat of olive oil, that would be drowning. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that'd be, true. That'd be bad for the fish. Okay, but they can also just, in their environment, drown. And the reason for this is because of how fish breathe. So basic biology 101, right? We and fish, almost many, many, many living things, unless they're anaerobic, uh, we use oxygen to produce our energy in our cells, mm -hmm. right? Right. The mighty mitochondria. Right? The powerhouse of the cell. Yeah, that's. Well, I know that too. I don't know how to do my taxes, but I know that song, right? So in a process of cellular respiration, the final step, because there's like different phases, there's glycolysis, there's the citric acid cycle, and then you get uh, the electron transport chain. And the electron transport chain is the money maker in terms of making energy, right? Like if it, electrons get donated to these little proton pumps and the proton pumps move protons across a membrane. And on that side of the membrane, there's more of them. So the protons, just because nature doesn't like things being not in equilibrium, the protons all want to go back to the side that they came from. And they can only do it by going through this little, basically like a, a water wheel or a turnstile type thing called ATP synthase. And when they go through ATP synthase, it makes ATP. ATP is, uh, like they say in, in your Bio 101 class, right? It's like the cell's energy currency. Mm -hmm. It's adenosine triphosphate. Um, so it's just... Uh, I love it. Yeah, adenosine. Ah, can't get enough of it. Which is, by the way, it's like basically one of your base pairs in your DNA, the A of yeah. ATGC, right? With three phosphates attached to it, right? A phosphate is like a phosphorus and, and four oxygens. And so uh, your cells use these by basically snapping off one of those phosphates. And when that happens, energy is released and it powers all the different things going on in your cell so you can, you know, stay alive. Love so, that for us. So the last electron acceptor in this electron transport change chain is oxygen. So at the end of that whole cycle, the electrons go to an O2 molecule, right? And the O2, it's only an O2 molecule because the oxygens are sharing electrons with each other, right? And they're like, okay, we'll, mm. you know, have joint custody of these and then- Little we'll, oxygens. And they're we'll, like, mama, dada. Yeah, we'll be fulfilled, right? But then, then when they get electrons at the end of this chain, they're like, we don't need each other anymore. We got <gasps> our own electrons. So oh, they split, no. right? And then they what have- What happens to the little electrons? Well, so they, they the electrons, don't worry, they get a playmate. Oh. The electrons like that are added to the oxygen, they've got a negative charge now. You've got oxygen yeah. ions. And then you've got all these protons coming back in through the pump, <gasps> right? Coming and out the, the turnstile. The protons, they got a positive charge. The oxygen's got the extra, extra electrons. And they're like, you know what? How about uh, me and my other hot proton friend get together with this oxygen atom and we make H2O? Because oh. proton's just a hydrogen nucleus, right? Yeah. It's just a hydrogen ion. Yeah, it's just so, hydrogen without its electrons. Right. So yeah. the end result of the whole process here in the electron transport chain is we've, we've <laughs> used it to make a bunch of ATP, which again, I guess is a phosphate threesome. And then, because it takes two ADP with two phosphates. The universe is so sexy. It's all trying to tell us. It's all, <laughs> it's a common theme in this episode. All right. So, uh, and then you've got 
oxygen molecules, O2, becomes two H2O molecules. Right. Right. So we've gone through this whole process where we've turned things into energy that we've used and then releasing water. Right. And we need oxygen in order to complete that. If we don't have oxygen, then this very important last electron receptor isn't there to kind of make sure the whole process keeps going and we quickly burn through all of our ATP and then our cells start dying. Yeah. Yeah. Not it's great. bad. Not great. It's bad. Uh, this is actually how some poisons work. Like cyanide uh, blocks that last step in the electron transport <gasps> chain. It keeps oxygen from getting those electrons and it gums up all the works and the whole electron transport chain can't function and, you know, the end result is death. So I guess a good question would be, does cyanide, taking cyanide count as suffocation? But that's for another episode. What? Right? If you think about I mean, it. We're going to have to look into it. Okay. So... Because that's absurd. <laughs> I want to know more. Okay. We can turn oxygen. We all naturally are turning oxygen into H2O by this process of cell respiration. We don't do it the other way around, and neither do fish. Now, you might be like me. I assumed there's oxygen in H2O. Yeah. Fish live in it. That's the what I gills, thought. through some funky hocus pocus, are taking that yeah. O and separating it from those H's and using it in this process. That's not what's happening. Wrong. What? It's not happening Honestly, that way. I what I'm learning is one, I need to learn more about fish. Yeah. Uh, it's true. And, we all could use some more ichthyology. Yeah, just in general. But like, wow, what? Yeah. Okay, what's happening? Okay, so fish are actually breathing in O2 molecules that are quote unquote dissolved mm. in water. Like it's mixed in among the H2O, right? The way that we get oxygen in general for the most part in our atmosphere and in water is through plants yeah. because photosynthesis can take h2o and basically break those electrons off and convert it back into o2 yeah right it uses the energy from light to oxidize the h2o to remove the electrons and then it, it basically goes back into being protons and o2 right but you need light excited pigments like chlorophyll in order to do that. And obviously we don't have it, fish don't have it, plants have that. So fish have to breathe the oxygen that's just dissolved in water. And there is very, very, very little oxygen in water, right? Like here on the surface, the atmosphere is about 21% oxygen, right? Right, right, Which right. means, and we're, another we're way. technically filtering that oxygen out of our own air. Yeah. Because it's mostly the, nitrogen. And yeah. we like breathe it in and we're like, okay, I just want the oxygen. Yeah. And Everything else goes away. And we breathe we breathe in the nitrogen and we don't yeah. do anything with it. It's yeah. just nitrogen. It's just hanging out. It's fine. It's doing yeah. its own No thing. big deal. Inert. Nitrogen is really, really difficult to separate because it's N2 molecules. And so that's why we need nitrogen fixers in the soil to break it apart. But that's a whole other conversation. Again, another episode. Whole other thing. Jeez. Really fascinating stuff. Super neat. But um, no, we, we take in oxygen from the air and our atmosphere is about 21% oxygen, which translates to about 210,000 parts per million, right? That's 21%. In water, do you want to guess how many oxygen molecules there are parts per million? I mean, I'm going to guess less, but like, I don't know, five, eight? Ten? Five. Ten, ten total. Because in, in air, it's 210,000 oh, oh, like per million. Five percent. But it's got to be less because if, if the ocean was 5% oxygen dissolved, that seems yeah, like a lot. That would be 50,000 parts per million, right? Uh, so so let's say uh, 5,000. It's two. Wah! Not 2,000. Two. Oh! Two that's... to eight parts per million. Two? Yeah. Two. Yeah, it turns out there's not a lot of oxygen underwater. 
Wow. Yeah. So how do the fish find it? So uh, part parts of fish metabolism make it so they don't need as much oxygen, right? Like we're warm-blooded, which is great because we've got a lot of extra oxygen yeah. to use and we can just, you know- Literally uh, burn in it to keep us warm. Literally just burn it off, just like run it. It's like you've got uh, tons of gasoline in the tank and you're like, yeah, I'll just sit here and warm up the engine on a cold day. I don't I care. I wish people could see that you're like dancing. You're so excited. You're like, I'm really yeah, I'm just burning it off. I'm burning, burning <laughs> yeah. it off. Just sitting in your garage, just revving the engine. Don't do that. Though. Don't That's do unsafe. that. Keep the garage Don't. door open and well yeah. ventilated. And and shut the engine off, please. <laughs> do people, you think in the future, this is a sidebar. People are going to like, with their EVs, you can't really like rev the engine. Right. So just like turn on the they Put a button the that goes. Wow, wow, wow. No, you could just like run electricity <laughs> through some resistors and generate heat that oh, way. You yeah, don't true. need to, yeah, you don't need to like true. run the motor. But not the noise. You know, you're at a stoplight and you see it and you're like, hey. But it, it would drastically, you know, I guess this is that. a good comparison because it would really dramatically shorten your range in an electric car. But with a gas powered car, the, the heat's just a byproduct. Yeah. And then you just vent that through your. your yeah, turn the heat on. Cabin. It, that's how we yeah. used to heat my Volkswagen van. In yeah. the winter, you just turn the heat on full blast. Because, you know, I mean, in the summer because the van would overheat yeah like the engine yeah. would. you're overheat. removing heat from the engine area yeah, yeah fun life life hacks that won't be relevant in 30 years might not even be relevant now <laughs> <laughs> anyway okay. so back to fish <laughs> where uh, let me find my fish notes <laughs> Fish have to pull oxygen out of the water. And yeah, they don't need as much because a lot of them are not warm-blooded like we are. So that's not an extra energy sink that they have to, you know, you take in more oxygen for. Uh, but they do it by filtering that water over their gills, which is, duh. Yeah. So their gills are just basically very thin, fine, feather-like, you know, blood vessels that have a, a big surface area, so they make contact with a lot of water, and as the water moves over their gills, they just naturally exchange the gas. Yeah. They, They're, the, like, grabbing yeah, oxygen out oxygen of the water. just naturally, because, like, again, a lot of this is how nature always seems to want to reestablish, like, equilibrium. Oxygen goes into their blood cells that are deoxygenated and CO2 comes out of their bloodstream. If there is a lack of that dissolved oxygen, fish will suffocate underwater. Whoa. Yeah. So by the Oxford definition, that's not drowning. Yeah. But by Webster's, it is. Oh. Yeah. Because huh. they say just to suffocate, particularly in water. Yeah. Oxford's is like, no, you've got to be like inhaling the water and, and fish don't do that. Because, yeah, they don't technically inhale. Yeah. I mean, you could maybe make an argument that their gills are their version of inhaling, but it yeah. depends how, again, how pedantic your audience yeah, is. Yeah. What, what wolf are you going to feed? That's right. right. Are yeah. you going to feed the pedantic wolf or the come on wolf? For Obviously, I'm going to be in the, come on. Come on. Well, I, and there are lung fish. Yeah, true. But so, yeah. They, they're just, by their existence, they're inhaling, I think. Is that your argument? Well, I, <laughs> I, I don't think they have to worry about it because they still have like the, yeah. you know what? I should look it up because I didn't look it up if lung fish still have gills. But I assume lung fish have gills. I assume they do too. There's also um, other fish call, that have a, a labyrinth organ. Yeah, and it's named so because it's got like these maze-like bony structures that um, stay always like separated so they can just go up to the 
surface and they can gulp air and Ooh. take it in that way. Yeah. And they like hold on to it. And then, and then they just, it absorbs into their blood the way that air passing over their gills does too. Because the issue fish have when you take them out of water is their delicate feathery gills collapse on top of each other. Mm. And now they're not making any contact with the oxygen. Even though there's a lot of them. them. Yeah. yeah. But they can't actually get enough into their bloodstream to stay alive. So they suffocate out here on land. Also, when you're playing Marco Polo, if someone says fish out of water, you lose. Yeah, so that's you cheating. You don't want that. That's cheating. Yeah. But labyrinth fish, because the the structures inside that labyrinth actually keep those blood vessels like separate and not folded over onto each other and touching each other, hmm. uh, they can breathe air directly from the surface and they can survive very briefly out of water. That's cool. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. So what can cause oxygen levels to drop in water? That would be my next question. I that, was going to say, is that like a region? Is that because I do remember having fish now that you mention it when I was a kid, you had to have the little bubbler going all the time. And yes. if it turned off, no oxygen was being, I assume, added to yeah. the water. Yeah, there's if you have uh, one thing that can do it too many fish, right? There's not a lot mm -hmm. of oxygen to go around everything in there is using oxygen to stay alive. And if you have too many of those things, they're all gonna use up all the oxygen and the fish drown. Ooh. Uh, yeah, horrible way to go. Uh, you can also, if your water is too warm, because warm water holds less oxygen, oh. it can drop below that <gasps> two parts per million threshold. And climate change. Die. Oh no. Oh, yeah, there's that. No. There's a lot of problems with climate change and warming water. It also contributes to ocean acidification. True. Which is bad for shellfish because yeah. it like literally Fins and eats away their shells. That's a whole Ugh. other episode. God. Climate change, bad. Climate change, bad. Climate change, bad. Climate change, bad. Uh, but like you mentioned, if your water in your fish tank is stagnant, uh, then there's no air mixing with the surface, at least not fast enough, right? There's always yeah. an exchange of gases at the surface. But if you agitate the surface, like if your filter is pouring water in and kind of mixing it up, or if you've got a bubbler, then you actually have oxygen mixing with that water. If it's just that flat, serene, surface you don't get enough oxygen mixed in mm. and your fish can suffocate are you telling me that finding nemo is like a near miss tragedy <laughs> When yeah, they, like he, throw a rock in and they stop the the thing that's bubbling air and like circulating the water and they're like it'll make the tank really gross yeah. and it's like but it could also kill you. Yeah, oh, here's here's speaking of uh cuz their plan was to make a lot of algae so yeah, the which also would have to clean the tank. Which also consume, right? Yes. <gasps> so another source of uh deoxygenated water could be an algal bloom. Wow, so this was like a really risky endeavor. Yeah, the more you know about it. They almost all suffocated. Wow, they really wanted to get out of there. I know. Good I don't thing think that they... dentist was on it and cleaned that tank immediately. I don't think that they really imparted to the child fish in this scenario the dangers of this plan. Although they did have the volcano bubbler, right? The shark bait. Oh, ooh, ah, true. Yeah, yeah, that's that true. Dentist, that might have added. You know. He really set his tank up well. He did. And so he clearly cared about his yeah, fish. Yeah. Way to go, P. Sherman. Wallaby Forty-two way. Wallaby Way. In Sydney. Sydney, yeah. In, in good, Melbourne. Good job. Just get it wrong enough that people comment. <laughs> <laughs> it was P. Sherman. Yeah, 42 yeah. Wallaby Dr. Way. Dr. Sherman. M Melbourne. So um, <laughs> algae, you'd think, oh, great, algae. They photosynthesize, so they, they'll add oxygen. And, and That's yeah, what I, yeah. You, you're right for a time. Um, here's some issues, though. Say you've got algae that's a species that's, you know, planktonic and just floating at the top, right? And then and then it, it covers the whole surface, and then none of the plants underneath can get, get light. any light. Mm. 
mm. and make oxygen, that could be a problem. Or uh, if the plants in general are in the dark, uh, they'll also consume oxygen because plants, yeah, they undergo photosynthesis and they make oxygen, but that's to power their own cellular respiration where they need oxygen and glucose to make ATP and their byproduct is CO2, just like us. So wow. no light. Yeah, the algae and the other plants could actually consume all the oxygen in the tank. And then finally, there's the issue of, you know, maybe it's not a problem at first until the algae dies. <gasps> and then you get bacteria that consume this dead plant matter and the bacteria burn through all the oxygen. Wow. Because they also need it. Jeez. So this is a big problem with it's algal a... blooms from like eutrophication yeah. where we've got... Uh, you know, nitrogen-based fertilizers that run off because, you know, there's all this nitrogen that plants need to grow that's available just right away. And normally, we mentioned it earlier, it, it has to go, your plants have to get nitrogen from these nitrogen fixers in the soil and they do it very slowly, but it stays there in the soil more firmly. If you have this nitrogen-based fertilizer, it runs off really easily into in the wastewater into ponds and streams and bodies of water. And the algae just goes nuts because it's got all this nitrogen all of a sudden and it can grow like crazy and then it dies yeah and then all the fish end up suffocating drowning yeah it's a problem so can fish drown yeah yeah as a matter of fact they can wow now this also led me to a sidebar thoughty question oh i love that and that is do fish drink water <gasps> do they are they thirsty do they it depends oh yeah it depends on whether they are saltwater or freshwater fish right if they're saltwater fish and they drink water wouldn't they get dehydrated no you've actually got it wrong <gasps> it's the opposite oh i like that it's the opposite so freshwater fish because the inside side of their body has more, you know, solutes ooh, in ooh, it. Ooh. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're going to talk about equilibrium again. I you? am going to talk about equilibrium <laughs> again! <laughs> yes! Freshwater fish, they've got more solutes, right? And water, because of that whole equilibrium thing, right? The osmosis happens when water from an area where there's low solute concentration moves to an area of high solute concentration across a membrane because, again, nature and Balance. things. Yeah, they always seem to try and establish an equilibrium, right? So freshwater fish, because the internal contents of their body are, are for lack of a better word, saltier, let's say, uh, water just naturally moves into their body through their gills. So they don't need to actually gulp in water and process it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Saltwater fish, though, live in an environment where outside their body, there's more salt. And so the water inside their body wants to get out. So they actually have to gulp salt water and then they have to excrete the excess salt through their gills. And by the way, my source for this was McGill University. And I thought that was appropriate. Ah, the Harvard of Canada, eh? <laughs> McGill. Uh, so I trust them with any information on fish and I think you should too. <laughs> but yes, to answer your question, do fish drown? They can. As a matter of fact, I also thought, yeah, if you throw a fish into a vat of oil, I still would think that definitely constitutes drowning by any definition. <laughs> but in their own natural environment, if you consider just suffocating underwater drowning, yes, fish can drown and saltwater fish drink water. Wow. I don't know about you. I learned a lot today. Me too. This was really cool. I learned lying is probably okay and maybe important uh also at the top of this i lied before um it wasn't to me it, it wasn't dumbledore dang it it was emmanuel kant oh 
who said a lie is a crime of man against his own person. I, I, I was really racking my brain for when that would come up in the books. And I was like, I, you, uh, I can see it. Right. Because I had an AI rewrite it in the uh, style of Elvis Dumbledore. Ah, I see. But it didn't matter that I lied. It helped set up the story and it actually made the end of the story better too. I love that. Nice job. You're Bravo. Welcome. Julian, any final thoughts? Any final thoughties to share? Yes. Lungfish do, in fact, have gills. Thank you for sharing that, and thank you all for listening. You can submit questions to us on our website, which is thatsabsurdpod.com. You can also go to our social medias, and you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So thank you so much for listening. This is That's Absurd. Please elaborate. Every week, we answer a silly question from you or from each other, and sometimes we have a guest. That's Absurd, Please Elaborate is produced and hosted by me, Trace Dominguez, and Julian Huguet. Our producer-editor is Kyle Sisk, and the executive producer is also me, Trace Dominguez. 